Sports, politics, life. Back Nine Development presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Online at backninedevelopment.com. Please tell me this is finally the double standard that American voters will see, understand, respect, and remember, as Joe Biden has now been caught with classified documents at his Penn Biden Center, a Washington think tank, in a place that he basically rented office space after he was vice president and put a bunch of his records there and hired a bunch of people to come in and what, work on his legacy, help him become president. I don't know what you do at a think tank or at the Penn Biden Center, but they clearly found classified documents there and have turned those over to the National Archives. First, the headline here, if you don't know the details of this story, Joe Biden, when he was vice president of the United States, took classified documents, whether knowingly or unwittingly, and put them in his office space that he rented in Washington, D.C., not far from where everything happens in the nation's capital. And his people recently found them. The amazing part is they found them before the midterm elections. But the story just came out Monday via CBS News. So over two months later, it gets out that Joe Biden has classified documents. This is a man who, as president, did interviews about Donald Trump having classified documents, potentially class potentially classified documents, more on that in a moment, at Mar-a-Lago in the raid. And he asked, how in the world could this happen? In other words, he's so careless, so sloppy, how could this happen? And referred to Donald Trump as irresponsible. Here's what we know about Biden's documents. They aren't declassified. Only a president can declassify the documents and take them out of the White House. That's what Trump claims he did. He claims that he legally declassified the documents that he took to Mar-a-Lago And then, of course, they raided him. We all saw the raid. And now Trump is on Truth Social asking, when is the FBI going to raid all of Biden's homes? In Delaware, on the beach, in the Northeast, wherever he has them around the world, when are they going to start raiding his homes for documents when he was only vice president? And there's a big difference here. The amazing part has been the media reaction. Media reaction saying, well, these are two different cases. Biden having these documents was probably just sloppy, record-keeping, and they self-reported it and turned themselves in. Donald Trump had to be a nefarious act because he was negotiating with authorities to keep the documents or to turn them over in a certain fashion when he was raided. So clearly these are two different things, as Joe Biden was probably, it's, it's, just, it's just Sleepy Joe. He was probably just sloppy and had these things. For Trump, it was some nefarious act. Before I go any farther, let me say this. I really don't care about any of the documents at either place. I want to be consistent. I don't think Donald Trump took stuff that is bad for our national security or puts us in danger. And I don't think Joe Biden had stuff in his possession that is bad for our national security or puts any of us in danger. I don't believe that. I believe this is mostly political. It's mostly show. They didn't take the football, the nuclear codes, or nuclear secrets and hide them out in safes in their homes or something like that. That's not what occurred. This is nothing but politics. So, since that's what I believe, and perhaps you believe that, perhaps you don't, perhaps you believe this is more serious than I do, I know Obama's got more documents and records than these two combined. There's no question. We've already talked about the stuff that he took for his library. We know what Hillary Clinton had in her possession when she left the the Obama administration and all of the emails that were scrubbed, that were bleached from the internet. We know what she took. We can only imagine what George W. Bush has or Bill Clinton, and I don't care. I don't think any of these people want to hurt America as ex-presidents. I don't. 
I don't think they're out there nefariously with these documents leaking them to foreign powers to try to hurt the United States. I don't know what point that would serve. Why would you, why would you be in control of the United States, be the, the chief executive of the United States, and then after being chief executive, want to hurt them? Now, could we get to a place where that's possible? Could you be holding something that uses leverage? I guess that's possible. But I don't think any of these ex-presidents are out there with anything they took actively trying to harm the United States. I just don't believe that. So that means this is completely and totally political, all of these things. That's why I'm hopeful that this is finally the one time where American citizens and American voters can not only see it because they hear it a lot, but that they see this and they use their brain just a little bit and say, you know what? This is, this is a one-way street in this country. It really is not a fair shake for one party over the other. There's something really bad going on with the federal government, with the Department of Justice, with the FBI, with the Democrats in complete control for two years. They overstepped their authority and they have done terrible things at the other party that are bad for America. We need checks and balances. Would I love to have six years of all Republican rule in D.C.? Yes, I would. Would there be all kinds of controversies and scams and Republicans that would cheat, steal, lie, and do bad things in order to gain things for themselves individually and personally? Absolutely, they would. That's why I believe in checks and balances in the system. I'm ready for a president, a Senate, and a House that are all Republican. We can do a lot of great things and have done that when we've had the opportunity to do that. But I don't think it would be all that great of an idea to have it in perpetuity. Every now and then, somebody has to have some oversight to keep one party from running amok and going crazy. And I do think over time, if Republicans had complete control, they would become absolutely corrupt and would be, would be stealing from us, ripping us off, and doing all kinds of probably borderline criminal uh, and dirty dealings. I do believe that. I think that happens in this business, and I really don't trust any of them. I guess I'm more of an ideologue than I am a political person because I don't believe people in politics. I don't trust them, and I don't believe them. I believe the ideology of conservatism, and I would love to see it implemented. But I don't even trust conservatives to be in full control and do all the right things because after time, they'd be so emboldened and so empowered, they'd scam. So this has to be, this has to be the one moment of, it's very early in the year, of 2023 where, where voters, where people who are out there just trying to work every day, raise their families, do what it is that they do, can look at their federal government. Now, I'm not talking about locally now. I'm talking about the federal government, the coverage of federal government. We have all this information from big tech. We've seen what the FBI has done. We've watched the raid on Mar-a-Lago. We've seen the Steele dossier. We have watched Hillary Clinton you know, bleach 30,000 emails out of our computer. We have, we have all, you and I have all this information over the last five years. We've seen all this stuff. We know about the lies from Adam Schiff. We know about the fake and phony impeachment. We got all this stuff. We've seen it be one way. But sometimes we have to look in the mirror and say, maybe we see it one way because we are on the right and we feel like we're being targeted. I'm adamant that that's the case. I firmly believe that. This Joe Biden document story has to be the one that people who don't follow this, that don't understand that the impeachment was bogus and the Steele dossier was made up and Hillary Clinton stole emails and Donald Trump had 
declassified these documents at Mar-a-Lago. This has to be the one thing for those people they look at and they go, wait a second. Biden had documents. Trump had documents. And now they're telling me that it's okay for Biden to have them, but not Trump. That's really the bottom line here. The bottom line is the media, they love breaking this story. And this could be, you know, CBS got this story. This could be the beginning of some people on the left in the media trying to unravel Biden's run for the White House. I still believe that's possible. I think the media are deeper in this maybe than the Biden family and that a lot of operatives and money people will be wanting Gavin Newsom to run or somebody younger to run than Joe Biden. We'll see how that plays out over the next few months. This could be the start of that. This could be a story that was never going to get out. And they said, you know what? We need to hit Biden with a few of these things. Let's see if we can knock him down and, and wear him down and see if we can get him to not run. Because I do think the people in charge of the Democrat Party would rather Biden not run. I think they'd rather go a different direction. I really do. Because I think they know he's in trouble running. The only person he could possibly beat would be Trump. And I don't know that he'd beat Trump. Because he just doesn't look as competent as Trump at this point. This has to be the one where people look at this and go, wow, this just is not very fair. The stuff I'm consuming, the information I'm getting, this doesn't sound right to me. When I see the overwhelming coverage on this story of Joe Biden having these documents is that it's okay. It was probably just sloppy record keeping. It was self-reported. They turned themselves in. It was not a nefarious act like Trump's was. Trump's clearly was a nefarious act, and he was trying to undermine the United States of America. Please tell me that American people are smart enough to know that the fix is in here. That this is, this is absolutely a one-way street. It's all ridiculous because Donald Trump claims, and I, I, I hope he has documentation. I hope there's some way to prove this, that he declassified the documents he had before he took them. And I think he did. All the president has to do is say he declassified them, but surely somebody would write a memo. Hey, we've got these boxes, these documents, or post on them declassified on this date or something. I don't know, but he has the right to do that. Every, this is what's ridiculous about this. The president has the right to declassify these documents and take them. You have the right to do that if you just do it through the proper channels. Oh, no, we had to raid Trump's house. We had to go after him. Had to make a big stink about it. And now this Biden thing, they're going to want this to go away in 24 hours. Biden would not comment on it. He was asked about it in Mexico, but he wasn't really asked about it. The question was in a leading way to where he had a way out of just not even answering. The question was something I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, do you have anything to say about the documents that were found at the Penn Biden Center? I mean, that's just, do you have anything to say? The answer is no, I don't have anything to say. I'm going to walk right by you. You don't, don't ever give someone a chance to not answer the question. Ask the question. I have put zero seconds of thoughts into what the perfect question would be, but the perfect question would be something pointed. Did you know you took classified documents from the White House and had them in your office in D.C.? Did you know? Did you personally know? Did you personally take them? Did you personally take those documents out of the White House after your vice presidency and put them in the Penn Center? That would have been a great, because then, then you're trapped. You're like, because you, you can't walk by that question and not answer it because you look guilty. You'll stop right then and go, no, no. And you'd say something like, I had no idea those were there. That's what you'd say. Okay, now that's the first peg on the board. Now we've got the Biden saying it's somebody else's fault. Perfect. Then you go from there. Terrible question asked. They're going to be asked about it. 
I hope this story has more of a shelf life, and I hope more people critically look at this and say, well, why in the world can Joe Biden have these documents but not Donald Trump? The whole thing is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. I got a call yesterday from my uh, uh, friends over at Cross Kitchens, KC. This is a public service announcement I'm going to share with you right now. I got a little inside baseball on the remodeling business that I did not know. A lot of folks are deciding these days we're not buying or selling our home or building a new one. The interest rates are high, but we would like to invest in our own home and make it a little more special than it is right now. We've talked about that. I did not know that January and February are typically the time that the phones don't ring, that people hole up kind of in the winter. They, they get quiet around the holidays because they're locked in on the holidays and then they don't really come out until like hibernation is March. It ends. So Tim and his team let me know that in March, their phones start ringing like crazy again. But right now at Cross Kitchens, KC, what he did was he had a record year in 2022. And he hired a lot more craftsmen to do more jobs. And he put them on salary. He's paying them every day. And if they don't stay busy in January and February, that's not good for him. That's not good for his business. He's going to like lose money in January and February. No business wants to do that. So he's keeping them on because he pays all of his craftsmen before he pays himself, which is a great business owner. I think you could probably identify with that, being a conservative. So he has decided through January 31st at Cross Kitchens, if you're even close to thinking about you're doing something, even if you want to get on the schedule for next summer or next fall for your project to begin, if you meet with Tim and agree on a contract by January 31st, your countertops are free. Free. This is no joke. This will save you thousands. Now, it has to be a qualifying remodel. You know, it can't be like a $300 job here and free countertops. So it's a qualifying job. But for all of the details and information, just contact crosskitchenskc.com before the end of this month. So you're on the clock now. Got two-thirds of the month left here in January. But this is the slow season. This is the time. He wants to keep the workers on. He can get right on your project now in January or February. Or... You can sign your contract and say, look, we don't want to do this until summer. We're going to take a two-week vacation this summer, and that'd be a great time for them to be in our house, you know, doing all this work or whatever fits around your schedule. It simply is about agreeing to a contract by January 31st, and your countertops are free at crosskitchenskc.com. That is thousands and thousands of dollars. He wants to get to work and get some stuff on the books here. So contact my friends over at crosskitchenskc.com. That's crosskitchenskc.com. We love those guys, and Tim is awesome. And we he, he, he basically wants to thank everybody for a record year last year. So many listeners of KKHI contacted him and had work done, and he's saying thank you with free countertops, and he would sure love to get some business on the books in January and February. If you want to get something done and get it done right away, Cross Kitchens can do it now. But, boy, the phones start ringing in March, and he gets filled up for the rest of the year. So let's do it. Cross Kitchens, KC. Dot com. That really is more of a public service than a spot today. And I, I just didn't know that. I, I, I mentioned that to Jessica and she said, she said, that doesn't seem right. I said, really? She goes, man, I would think right after the holidays is exactly the time I would pick up the phone and say, all right, we just went through the holidays. My kitchen wasn't good enough. We're doing this now. And I said, geez, Jess, I don't know. I think people are a little stressed out after the holidays. They've spent a lot of money. I think some folks are, you know, a little concerned about the economy and things like that. I said, I don't know. But apparently in the in the remodel business, the phone doesn't ring much in January. And he would he's got his these guys are ready to work. They're ready to go to work. They're ready to come to your house right now. 
And even I've got a friend who was talking about remodeling a man cave. And my guess is he would like to have that work done in the summer. They've got a lake place. They go to the lake a lot and things like that. They'd probably like to be out of the house while a lot of the work is being done. So he probably doesn't want him coming in there in the next three or four weeks. But if, if you get on the books now before January 31st, your countertops are free. That's, that's just a, it's a great deal. Great deal. Go get on it. Here's a great deal. The U.S. House of Representatives is kicking ass one day in. I'm sorry I said it. I'm so excited about this. You know, maybe it took two years of us to get our teeth knocked in to really appreciate some things that should be incredibly simple, unanimous, normal by both parties. How about this one? The rules of the House now state that 60% of the members, not a simple majority, 60% of the members must vote yes to increase any taxes. Well, that just seems like that should be the law, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like two-thirds of the House ought to be able to agree on a tax increase? If they're increasing our taxes, shouldn't it not just be one party doing it all the time, the Democrats? Shouldn't the tax bill be so important and maybe even such a small tax that Republicans would be on board with it when the Democrats are in control? So I think we got two years of no increased taxes here. 60% of the members have to vote yes to increase taxes. Legislation that is brought forward, a bill that is brought forward, is one subject. One subject, that's it, one subject. And every member of the House gets 72 hours to read it before voting on it. They have developed a subcommittee in the rules on, quote, the weaponization of the federal government, unquote. This is a biggie. These are going to be closed-door hearings. This is going to be, there's going to be a lot of top-secret stuff here. Really important national security-type stuff. We're talking Department of Justice, FBI, potentially the CIA. There could be all kinds of things involved here that it's going to be behind closed doors. And they're already saying you're going to have to trust us. We'll have Democrats in there too, but you're going to have to trust us. When we find illegal behavior, we will bring it to the public light. That's, I'm, I'm good with that. I want this committee. I think it's very important. The 87,000 new IRS agents are gone. That was day one. They're out. They're gone. They're gone. It's not going to happen. They've defunded this. They took away the billions of dollars. It's gone. That money's toast. It's out. It's out of the budget. There will be no hiring 87,000 new agents, which, by the way, the Democrats weren't even shy about, said they were going to target middle-income Americans and small businesses. Well, take it from this middle-income American and small business owner. That sounds really good to me that maybe the IRS isn't going to come after crooked tail media. I'm telling you, I try so hard to do everything exactly right. I've got an accountant. I've got a lawyer. I've got teams. We're spending money we probably shouldn't be spending. The last thing I want is trouble with this podcast. I trust professionals to keep me out of trouble. So I'm all over that. But I love hearing that. Oh, the Freedom Caucus is getting big seats right and left. These are the most conservative members in the House. We love that. There's a provision in the rules to freeze the 2024 budget at 2022 levels. It's part of a provision that balances the budget in 10 years. What kind of mayhem would we have if the 2024 budget is the same amount of money as 2022? That would be so good. How can we be sitting here? Did you know that Kansas and Missouri are main states with the podcast listeners? Do you know that they have massive billions of dollars sitting around 
of unspent money because the states have been have been well run, fiscally well run. They've been well run. There are billions of dollars sitting in Kansas and Missouri that they don't know what to do with. Why is it that our federal government can't do this? I can answer the question. There's not enough conservatives in charge for enough time. This is all on the Democrats. It just is. And then if you want something that really, is this still a term? Warms your cockles? (laughs) You remember that saying? Oh, that really warms my cockles. I'm not sure I know what that means, but I remember hearing it. And this one kind of, whatever that is, it does for me. This is a good one. Kevin McCarthy has reiterated that Eric Swalwell, the congressman from California, cannot get security clearance in the public sector. Therefore, he cannot be on the Intel Committee. After dating a Chinese spy, Adam Schiff lied about the Steele dossier. He is kicked off the Intel Committee. And Ilan Homar has made multiple comments against Jews, anti-Semite, anti-Semitic comments, and she is being booted off the Foreign Affairs Committee. This is a great thing. That's day one, folks. Day one. Swalwell toast, Schiff toast, Omar toast. We're going to go find some Democrats and put them on these committees because you have to allow them in. We're going to find some reasonable people that are not crazy. I love hearing that, man. I, I, I think that's fantastic. That's Swalwell. Unbelievable. Schiff. <laughs> oh, that is good stuff. Hey, KKHI is brought to you by 360 Document Solutions. Online at 360documentsolutions.com. Mark Lindquist and his team, uh, well, basically, they get customer satisfaction every time. If your business works with their business, you're going to feel really good about it. You're going to save money, and you're going to be more productive. Anything you have along the lines of IT solutions, mailing systems, outsourcing IT, phone systems, copiers, document technology, anything like that, 360 Document Solutions will come in for free. They'll take a look at how you do it, and they'll give you some pretty good ideas on how to improve what you're doing and save money. And if they can do that for you, why wouldn't you contact them? 913-745-5344. That's 745-5344-360documentsolutions.com. MyPillow.com. Oh, they got great discounts on the My Slippers right now. If you're interested in a pair of slippers or if you haven't been sleeping well, or if you've got an older mattress and you don't want to pull the trigger and spend thousands of dollars on a new mattress, how about a mattress topper from MyPillow.com? They have pet blankets, body pillows. The classic MyPillow is now just 29 bucks at MyPillow.com slash KKHI. Or anything you get at MyPillow.com or MyStore.com. Just plug in the promo code KKHI and you'll save, in some cases, up to 70% on certain items. Those are big savings. The slippers are, are, are nuts. Regularly $139. They're down to $49 here at the end of the winter. If you didn't get some warm slippers for Christmas, order yourself some. You can get them for $49 at MyPillow.com. Promo code KKHI. Don't forget the promo code KKHI at MyPillow and MyStore.com. North Kansas City Dental is your new dentist. It's about time for me to make my next appointment to go in there and get checked out in 2023. Make sure I'm doing well. Dr. Bill Bush will take care of that for me. He's in a select group of dentists that have a mastership in the Academy of General Dentistry. He is a speaker nationwide for other dentists. This is Kansas City's dentist. He's the dentist of the Chiefs players, and he can be your dentist for regular dental care, 
implants, cosmetic dentistry, crowns, veneers. He's done both those for me. He's done crowns and veneers for me. If you have TMJ or you want teeth whitening, he does it all. 816-471-2911 or online at nkcdental.com. They've got an office at Armour and Swift just across the river and one in Westwood near the plaza. All right, here's our positive fun in our news segment. We're going to go ahead and do the person of the week early this week, and we're going to give it to actress Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet was in Titanic, but I don't know what other movie she was in. I I've, I'd, I've, like Kate Winslet, I've got, I, I don't know much about her. I've got no reason to like, dislike. I don't know her politics. If you send me an email and say, oh, she's a crazy liberal, whatever, I don't care. I don't care. She did something so cool this weekend, it needs to be pointed out. So she's doing an interview, and and look, she's not the president of the United States or the king of England. She's an actress doing an interview about acting. And this very young girl who appears to be an older teenager, maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, is working for some media outlet. I, I don't know exactly what it is. It clearly is some sort of like an internship, and she's breaking into the business. That doesn't mean this isn't a... A smart, talented young woman doing the interview. That doesn't mean that at all. It means she turns at one point to Kate Winslet and says, I'm sorry, this is my very first interview. I'm really nervous. This is my first time. And Kate Winslet, the actress, says, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And she leans forward and she gets close to the young lady. They're sitting in chairs a couple feet apart. And she says, this is going to be amazing. You've got this. This is going to be the best interview ever. Do you know how I know it's going to be the best interview ever? You and I are agreeing right now, this is going to be the best interview ever. And the young girl is put at ease, and she feels pretty good about it. And that's one of the sweetest things, and being kind to people is not that hard. We see all kinds of interactions in the media where people blow up and get mad at the reporter. This was not a hard thing for Kate Winslet. This should be the bar. This should be the expectation. Kindness should be the expectation in a setting like this. I still haven't told you the best part of the story. The best part of the story is the interview was being conducted in English and the young lady asking the questions is German and English is her second language. And it was her very first interview. Now, you may grow up in Germany I think bilingual in Germany is probably a lot different than bilingual here. She's probably a, an accomplished English speaker. But if you've grown up in Germany and all your family and everybody that you talk to almost all the time speaks German, but you know you need to learn English because that's the way of the world and that's most Europeans learn how to speak English. Most Europeans in the media or politics or whatever, they learn how to speak English because it's a, they, they just do. Can you imagine being 17, 18 years old you're sitting here with Kate Winslet, who you may have idolized. And you're conducting your first ever interview with a mega superstar. And it's in your second language. And she puts you at ease like that. Way to go, Kate Winslet. You're our person of the week right here at KKHI. On to sports. Woo! That national title game stunk out loud. It stunk. Georgia had 350 yards of total offense. In the first half. Oh, my God, it was terrible. And you could see it early. I kept telling Jessica, and she goes, well, he didn't score on that play. 
I said, no, but did you see the hole? They would hand the ball off. The hole was wide open, and maybe they'd tackle him eight or nine yards downfield. But you're like, uh-uh, the bigger plays are coming. Look at, the, look at these holes. Look at the protection he has passing. This was insane. Nobody, I, I'm sorry, this was not predictable. And some of this, this happens in college football. It's rare, obviously, for it to happen in a big bowl game like this or a national championship game. I mean, I, if you told me TCU would be terrible on offense and only score seven, I'd say, well, I could see a scenario where the game is lower scoring and Georgia runs the ball and the clock is always moving and even Georgia could cover and win easily 27 to seven. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I'd have said, okay, Georgia's SEC, their defense played great. They stopped TCU. I can always see a good defense stopping a good offense. I can always see that because I watched Tampa do that to the Chiefs of the Super Bowl too. So I could always see that. I was not nearly as surprised by TCU scoring only seven. But I do think they scored only seven because they got wide-eyed and they looked across and thought, wow, they're bigger, faster, stronger than us. And a lot of this was mental. What I did not in a million years see coming was the offense that Missouri completely flustered an entire night this fall in Columbia and with eight minutes to go had the game won against Georgia, which couldn't move the ball, couldn't do anything against Missouri, couldn't do anything against Missouri in that game. Somehow found a way, as I recall, I didn't look it back up this morning, they got two late touchdowns in that game, am I right? Georgia scored two late touchdowns and pulled that game out against Missouri. They were not the better team on that night, but they did. Their offense looked inept. Missouri shut them down all night. What I would never, I would have bet you anything yesterday that Georgia would not have 589 yards of offense, no turnovers, 65 points, and a record-breaking 58-point margin. They become the first back-to-back national champions since Bama in 11 and 12. TCU only had 188 yards. Again, I could see a scenario where Georgia shut down TCU. I could not see a scenario where Georgia would score 65 points. And I, that's, that was a fluke. They could go play again next week, and Georgia is not doing that. They're not. So poor TCU, bad look, awful for the Big 12. Alabama lights up K-State. Georgia lights up TCU. It looks bad. There's no question it looks bad for the Big 12. No question. But there is no way it's this bad. Georgia didn't do that to, you know, Stony Brook or whoever they played in the non-con. They didn't. This was one of those nights. And we always look at sports when we say a team quit. I don't really think TCU quit. I just think they got shell-shocked. I think they were just back on their heels, and it was over. It was over very quickly. They're like, "Uh uh-uh. We've come back before this year. We're coming back against these guys. They are bigger, faster, stronger. I think they just flat out got shell-shocked. Kirk Herbstreet said just before halftime, I don't know what to say. That's what he said at the half. I don't know what to say. He was basically telling all the viewers, no reason to watch the second half because I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Now, we can go back and and pick apart TCU season and look at all the the games that they won, you know, at the last second or, you know, a couple times that they were down big and came back miraculously and won a game. They were. They were were that team. And I've been asking the question, is Kansas State basketball that team this year? Because Kansas State basketball looks a lot like TCU did in football. They've won seven games by five points or less. And they're 14-1 and ranked 11th in the country. You, you, it's, it's hard to keep winning all those games, right? That much we know. They found out Kansas State had a big lead the first time on TCU. 
And then the quarterback got hurt out of the, back out of the game, and TCU came back and won that game. Then Kansas State beat them in the Big 12 title game. It wasn't the TCU wasn't beatable this year. It was just they were the team that kept winning. We see this in the NFL a lot. We watched the Dolphins start out crazy this year, and it just fell apart on them. Do you remember the year that the Chiefs had Alex Smith, and they started 9-0? and I'm sorry. I think it was before that. I think a Trent Green team might have started 9-0 and one year. I might be getting them confused. Alex Smith may have started 9-0 and too. But there was a Trent Green team that started 9-0 and or 10-1 and or something like that. Lost three out of four at the end. Limped into the playoffs. We see this in football. It happens. There are reasons why you win games. A lot of times it's turnover margin. A lot of times it's a, you made a late field goal and the other team didn't. There's reasons. But no how, no way. I mean, Georgia's never done this to anybody. Georgia's never scored like that against anyone. TCU's defense did not look like it belonged on the field. They didn't. They looked terrible. I'll cede that point to you. Granted. But this was just an insane beatdown that I don't think anybody saw coming. I feel bad, a little bit bad for TCU. I'm happy for Georgia. I'm happy for my daughter. She's now going to expect to win the national title every single year as a proud Georgia grad. And I'm going to have to remind her it's not that easy. That becoming the hunted becomes a difficult thing. It was certainly not a difficult thing last night. Sports on KKHI is brought to you by Amazing Garage Floors online at amazinggaragefloors.net. I've got a friend building a house two houses down from us in our subdivision. And he is using Amazing Garage Floors to put his garage floor in in his new home that they're building. He texted me yesterday. He says, you got, John, you got John's uh, cell phone number? I said, sure. Put you right in touch with him. And we did. He'd already he'd previously talked to him, but he misplaced his cell phone number or something. He's like, what is that number? I need to text him. So they're all set to go, man. That garage floor is going to be coming in here in a couple of weeks. And they're going to be pretty excited to have an amazing garage floor at their new home. You should give it a strong consideration this year. Amazinggaragefloors.net. The Bluemont Hotel in Manhattan. I got an email from, uh, it was Daniel, my buddy Daniel out at EE Outdoor, our landscape company. EE Outdoor, he's the sponsor of the weekend podcast. And occasionally we mentioned him here on KKHI. And he's got, I think, a soccer tournament coming up later this spring or something in Manhattan. He's taking his family out there and he's like, I'm staying at the Bluemont Hotel. This is going to be cool. I think they want to try to go to the K-State Texas game in a few weeks or something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but he's staying at the Bluemont. He's very excited about that. So I got a hold of my folks at the Blue Mountain. I said, hey, man, my guy Daniel's coming in, and he's bringing five people. It's the only place to stay in Manhattan, whether you're going for a game, a soccer tournament, a ball tournament, whether you're working at the NBAF facility or doing business with a conference in Manhattan, the Blue Mountain Hotel is the only place to consider. It's the perfect location. It's really the only locally owned and operated hotel that's really, really nice. This is a great property. You're going to love the Blue Mountain Hotel. And, of course, Goolsby's Indoor Entertainment Center. Eatertainment, maybe we'll call it. Get you some appetizers in there, maybe a cold beer off the wall. They have 30 taps on the wall. You pour your own. It's all at the Bluemont Hotel and Goolsby's in Manhattan online, bluemonthotel.com. Good folks there. Boy, this is a crappy story from sports. We're a roller coaster today, aren't we? We going up and down too much for you? Should I stagger these things? Should I just do all the bad stories at once and then all the good stories at once? Or do you like them staggered? I'll take emails on that. I kind of like staggering them becomes a bummer to do all the negative stories at the same time. So I like doing the, the more fun, the, person, the Kate Winslet thing. I love that Kate Winslet story. I just love that. I just love that this week. This one stinks. Concordia University is a small school in Chicago, and they play college basketball. 
And last week, two weeks ago, they took a road trip to California and a bunch of players skipped curfew, got in trouble with the coach. They came home and he put through them through the most rigorous workout he had ever put his players through. It's called circuit training. And it apparently was really, really, really hard. That was on a Sunday, I believe. Might have been a Saturday or Sunday of last week. The following Monday through Wednesday, five of the players on this team were admitted into the hospital. After the workout, in a couple of instances, days after the workout, I can't give you any information about their condition. I couldn't find it. It sounds like the players are all okay. Maybe we're talking about some dehydration here or some other things. I don't know. Well, let's hope it's not worse. Five players in the hospital after a rigorous circuit training exercise that was considered, by the players anyway, punishment for missing curfew on a road trip. It is against the Concordia University of Chicago Athletic Department rules to punish someone in a physical way in any manner. So the coach, Steve Kohler, uh, K-O-L-L-E-R, has been put on administrative leave. He's going to get fired. Uh, This is really bad. They had two games postponed this past week. So those players were in the hospital Monday through Wednesday of last week. Two games were postponed. The coach is on administrative leave. I've never heard of this. I've heard of things happening with an individual player in some way. A lot of times coaches like to make an example of one guy for the whole team to see. But I've never heard of rigorous circuit training sending five players to the hospital. I need more details because I don't want to say that I don't believe this story. But how is it possible if, if that rigorous training was on Saturday or Sunday and then you go to the hospital on Wednesday, I'm not sure I know exactly how that's all related. Not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not. But I have seen teams revolt on their coaches. I've seen that. We've seen the, uh, well, the mutiny. We've seen teams turn into a mutiny against their coach. And I'll just, I, I only want to bring that up because I, I, don't, I don't want to be insensitive to any of these kids if they were really, really harmed by this workout. This coach needs to be fired, and that needs to be that. If this is a mutiny, if this is the players that don't like their coach and they're mad at him and trying to show him up, by going to the hospital on their own, then I don't know. I, I, there, are, there are zero details on the hospital visits, whether they stayed the night, whether they were given an IV and sent home. We don't know anything about these five hospitalizations at this point. But keep your eye on that story, and I'll update you as we learn more. How about the NFL this week? I made a, a – I was the only one – it seemed insensitive, I think, when I did it, but I made a very strong point. I was asked many times – whether I was doing radio interviews or discussion on this podcast, after DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest a week ago Monday, I was asked about the players restarting the game. And I said, no, if they restart the game, they will not be thinking about DeMar. I've been around this long enough, and and you won't hear anybody else tell you this. So I'm just asking you to trust me that I know this. Once you start playing football, you don't think about anything. You could have a sick wife at home or a sick child or whatever. You're not thinking about it. When the game starts, it is so fast, so furious, so intense, and so much adrenaline, you don't think about anything else. It's forgotten. We have two items that prove that this week in the National Football League. I I don't know if you saw these or not, but we have two items. The first I'll point to is Kawhi Walker 
of the Green Bay Packers. If you watched the Sunday night football game, you saw Kawhi Walker push a medical staffer tending to a Detroit Lions player. Just shove him out of the way. Completely disrespect the medical worker on the field. You think Kawhi Walker was thinking about DeMar Hamlin? I don't. And of course, we had the incident with Pittsburgh where Alex Highsmith sacked the quarterback and they've got a semi, it's not a tradition, but it, it's happened. You've seen this before. Tyreek Hill's done this when he was the Kansas City. We've seen Chiefs players do this. Alex Highsmith sacks the quarterback and he's down on the ground. And sometimes after you do that, instead of immediately jump up and celebrate, you stay on the ground and you go, <sighs> and you get a couple of big, deep breaths because you just sacked the quarterback. And one of your teammates comes over and pumps your chest a couple of times like they're giving you CPR. And that happened in the Steelers game. And guess who they weren't thinking about right then? Damar Hamlin. Everybody's attacking these things as insensitive. You will not hear me attack these guys. You won't. We've seen players push people before, whether it's medical staff or a coach on the field or whatever. They shove each other. It's a physical game. We've seen that. There's never anything. It wasn't overly violent. It was just get out of my way. I bumped into you and I'm pushing you. But it was disrespectful to the medical staffer. There was no doubt it was disrespectful. It caused a penalty. He'll probably get fined, all of these things. And he should be. I'm not defending him for his action. I'm simply saying I understand it. And let's not make a bigger deal out of it because DeMar Hamlin had a cardiac arrest last week. This stuff happens in the NFL. The Steelers were not trying to offend DeMar Hamlin, for God's sake. When... The player goes over to Alex Highsmith and pumps his chest like it's CPR. There was nobody trying to offend Damar Hamlin or disrespect Damar Hamlin. This is all ridiculous. This is this fake crap from the left, this fake outrage. Don't be outraged. We've seen the CPR move on the field. They allow it. Do they want to pass a rule this offseason and say you can't do that? Then let's pass a rule. There's a lot of celebrations, a lot of things you do. You can't do that. It's insensitive. I don't care what the NFL does. They want to pass the rule. You're not thinking about DeMar Hamlin when you're playing football, folks. You're not. I'm sorry. You may want to think we live in some pie-in-the-sky world where these players on every single snap are like, I'm playing for DeMar. It's not like that. It's not life and death out on the field, but it looks like now it can be. You're trying to beat the other guy. You're trying to make a living. You're trying to get paid. You're trying to win a game. You're trying to stay healthy. You're not thinking about DeMar Hamlin. You had all week to think about DeMar Hamlin. That's your proof. It's your proof. And don't be so upset with these guys. Don't overreact. That the, are, are these guys insensitive? Was Skip Bayless insensitive for his tweet doing it too quickly after the injury? Maybe, but it was factual and it was real. And both these things were real. Kwai Walker was a frustrated player who pushed a medical staffer. Alex Highsmith made a great sack and was really tired and laid on the ground and was gasping for air when his teammate came over and did the CPR move weren't trying to offend anybody or harm anyone. They weren't. Once the game has started, nobody in this league was thinking about DeMar. I'm sorry, they weren't. Especially not in a play. Maybe if you're a defensive player and the offense is on the field and you're sitting over there and you see something up on the scoreboard while the offense is on the field that says, hey, love for DeMar or something like that, you may think about him for a second while sitting on the bench, but you're not out on the field thinking about him. It just doesn't work like that. Oh, I've got a great Chiefs nugget you got to hear. This is fantastic. Chiefs are off this week, by the way, for Super Wild Card Weekend. 
AFC has seven playoff teams. Seven. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback. What? Scheduled to play right now, pending any news that, you know, Lamar Jackson's back or something changes or whatever. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest scheduled starting quarterback in the AFC playoffs. He's 27. They asked him about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm the old man. I got two kids for crying out loud. He does. He is the old man. I don't know why I like that stat so much. That's just fantastic. Don't panic. Patrick Mahomes, I told Jessica, I I think he's still got 15 years left. Why wouldn't Patrick Mahomes play to 42? What would stop that? I mean, it it would take some sort of a serious debilitating injury to stop that. He doesn't really make his living with his legs. He can run. He does a nice job scrambling around in the pocket to create time for himself, and that will erode over time. By the time he's 35, he won't be as good as that. He's got seven or eight years, peak performance, scrambling around, creating time. He's got that, but he can play another five, six, seven years being a pocket step-up passer, for crying out loud. Don't panic that he's the oldest quarterback. He's going to be around a long, 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 long time. And so is the Finch Knife Company online at finchknifeco.com. I love getting emails from you after you get your Finch Knife. It's delivered to your house. You love these pocket knives. They're gorgeous. Collect them all. Start a collection. They're valuable, and they gain value over time. Finchknifeco.com. Every knife born in Kansas City and designed right here. They will add six to eight new designs this year alone. And collect them all, man. Display them. They're really cool things to put in your bar, your man cave, or maybe you have an office at home that you really, really like. Display them in a glass case. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch pocket knife. Once you get one, you're going to want more. These things are absolutely gorgeous. Finchknifeco.com. All right. Jeremy Macklin and Michael Bishop are going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Macklin was a star receiver at the University of Missouri. Michael Bishop finished runner-up in the Heisman as a quarterback at Kansas State. Congratulations to both of them. The College Football Hall of Fame is cool. It's a great thing. It has a lower bar than a lot of halls of fame. I'll say it. They let a lot of people in. You go, especially they let people in that played college football to become famous for something else after that. They're really known for that. And so I don't want to say it's a low bar, but it's a it's a moneymaker, and this is a huge class of players. I mean, the, the number of people. Troy Vincent is going in. He's the head of the Players Union. When did he play? 80s? He played college football in the 80s, and he's going in. So it's taken forever, but now he's the head of the NFLPA, so they're putting him in. So that's, but these two are, Jeremy Macklin was a great player. He was a great college player on some really outstanding teams at Missouri. Michael Bishop was a runner-up for the Heisman and, and probably should have won, actually won the Heisman that year. A tremendous college football player. Again, it's the College Football Hall of Fame. Congratulations to both those. Those are the headliners here. A couple of other Chiefs players made it, but didn't play college anywhere near us. Derek Johnson, who played at the University of Texas, is going in the College Football Hall of Fame. And so is Eric Berry, safety from Tennessee. A couple of great Chiefs going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Congratulations to those players for making that there. Pretty cool stuff. College basketball is on Tuesday night. Number two, Kansas hosts Oklahoma. I always think this, but I think this is a route. I think this is going to be a boring game. I don't think Oklahoma's very good. I don't think Oklahoma's very good. I think Kansas is really good. And they're at home. 
Why wouldn't they run the Sooners right off the floor? Kansas number two in the country. K-State is number 11 tonight. First time all year. This is it. This is the first game Kansas State has played all year. Tonight's game is different for K-State than any other game they've played. They're now number, they just jump into the polls at number 11 in the country. If you look at the uh, tournament qualifications, they have the best two road wins in the country. Four quad one wins. They may have the best tournament resume in the country right now. That in and of itself does nothing for you. You got to finish this thing off. Here's what's different. Kansas State's been an underdog all year. Tonight is the first night that they are the hunted. They are ranked. They've got a, They've sold out all these games. K-State fans are just buying up tickets like crazy. They're selling out all their games. The fans are completely buying in. Now here comes Oklahoma State. Nothing to lose. They played Kansas to the wire at Allen Fieldhouse. How does K-State handle all this attention? And Jerome Tang was asked about the possibility of going to Texas and taking the Texas job and made some bumbled comment about wherever God tells me to go, I'll go. And it's a, it's a small misstep, but it's a misstep. It's a first-year head coach misstep. Jerome Tang stepped in it. When he was asked about the possibility of, play, of leaving K-State and going to Texas, he stepped in it. So the players know that. Has he had to address them with that? How does he address them about being number 11 in the country? And everybody's saying, oh, they got the two best wins in the country. They won at Texas and at Baylor. Nobody's got two road wins like that. How do they deal with that against Oklahoma State on Tuesday night? I can't answer that for you. All I know is they've been amazing all year. You would think if they're really this good that they're going to go shred Oklahoma State and win the game by 13 points. But I don't know that. I still just don't think it's enough body of work to know. And I know this. I've been around sports long enough that when you are the nice little story that nobody takes seriously, that, okay, we're playing K-State tonight. We got this. And now all of a sudden you're like, we got to get these guys. These guys are real, and we're going to go get them because this can change our season. That changes everything. Common thought in the Big 12 is the TCU has the best chance to challenge Kansas for the top of the league. God, most people believe that. The TCU is that they're so old and so veteran and all starting five back from last year that the TCU is the team that has the best chance. If not Kansas, then who? I think most people thought Texas, but Chris Beard is fired and gone. And I think most people now, if not Kansas, who? We ask the question every year. If not Kansas, who? Most people believe that's TCU. And Missouri's got a big game on Wednesday night. They're at AM, which I think AM has maybe five losses this year, but they're 2 0 in the SEC. They're unranked, but they're good. And this game is at AM. Missouri's number 20 in the country. We got number two, number 11, and number 20 right here in one town. That is pretty cool stuff. College basketball season is on. We'll see how it goes the next two nights for the teams you root for most. All brought to you by Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch. Online at joslinsjewelry.com. It's the jeweler you'll recommend to your friends and family. Ask for, uh, ask for Cameron or Dave when you go in there. They're both really good friends of mine. Gary's there a couple days a week. I think Wednesdays and Saturdays he's always there. Then he pops in for an hour or two at a time uh, at different days and whatnot. But, man, you're going to love your experience at Joslin's Jewelry. Valentine's Day is not far away, guys. You don't have to get something really nice. Just go in there and get a bracelet or something. A lot of items under 100 bucks that will make her smile. Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch. And my buddies at bstock.net. That's right. Free delivery right now in the month of January. Up until the big game, free delivery on any purchase $1,000 or more. Free delivery anywhere in the Kansas City 435 Loop area. He says inside the loop, but bstock is outside the loop. 
And if you live six blocks from B-Stock, I'm pretty sure they're going to deliver it free. So there's places where it will be outside of 435 as well. So just call for details or visit them at 14680 South Flaming Road in Olathe. they got great deals on incredible televisions for the playoffs. You can be set up to go by this weekend and get it delivered free. That is a great, great thing. Bstock.net in Olathe. Fun podcast. A lot of good topics here today. I enjoyed this one a lot. I'm really, folks, I'll tell you, I, I feel rejuvenated. I'm really happy with day one of the House of Representatives. We set, here's the best part about the Republicans taking over the House. We set a really low bar for Kevin McCarthy. And those conservatives in the Freedom Caucus changed the rules of the House and left it to a point where he can't be weak. They have set the rules in play that he can't be a weak speaker, which is fantastic. And we saw it on day one. We had a lot of good things happen for America yesterday. A lot of good things happen for you and me personally with some of these things, to be quite honest. It's time. I'm hoping that yesterday was the day the tide turns. I feel like the, I feel like the tide turned against us, conservatives in America. The tide turned against conservatives the day the, the – I can, I can mark a day. The day the NBA stopped playing because of COVID. And we saw it live on TV. They said this game is canceled. And then everything that happened after that. Nothing good happened since then, folks. Certainly nothing good happened for Trump was going to cruise to reelection if there was no COVID. Do we not all know this? Is that worth investigating? That's a that's a real big leap and a giant conspiracy theory, but would you put it past the Democrats to work with China to do something like that? To get Trump out? You know how much they hated Trump. It got him out. And no doubt he would have won without COVID. I don't think they did that, but that's the day it started for me. There hasn't been a lot good since then. Honestly, has not been a lot good since then. That's been a long time ago. That was March of 20, maybe? March of 20. February, March of 20. Not much March, I think. Not much good has happened since then. Was yesterday the day the tide turned? Joe Biden winds up with these documents just like Trump. Anybody can see that, that, that this is, it's so stupid and political. Anybody can now see that. Is this the day of turn? We get new rules in the House. 60% of the members have to vote yes to increase your taxes. 87,000 IRS agents are not going to be hired. They're starting a subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government against the people of America. Is yesterday the day it's turning for us? Now, we won't feel that until after the 24 election. We won't know. But I am so pleased to be able to present some good news for you on the conservative, American, America first, patriot way in our wonderful country. And thank you so much for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Woo-hoo!